Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Unannounced. Today I'll be talking to my good mate Sam Siggins. Sam and I talked about dealing with mental health, his AFL career, and so much more. Hope you enjoy the episode. Well, I mean, mate, welcome, oh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. If you don't mind, just start like sort of just introducing yourself to our listeners, sort of your childhood, growing up in Tassie, and just sort of just go from there. Yeah, so my name's Sam Siggins. Um, I'm 26 years of age. Um, I live in Hobart, Tasmania. Um, and I grew up um, in Tasmania in Hobart, and I grew up down at Clifton Beach um, until the age I was, until I was 16 years of age. Um, and I guess for me, growing up, childhood, um, I felt like I had a really good childhood um, growing up. Um, I learned a lot, learned a lot out of off my parents, uh, both my parents. Um, my parents split up when I was about 15 or 16, um, which wasn't ideal, but obviously, I guess this day and age, it's, it's quite the norm. Um, but yeah, for me growing up, I have an older brother, um, Ben, who is about 32 years of age, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and my older sister, who is, I think she's 28, turning 29 this year. So I've got an older sister and an older brother, um, and I learned a lot off them, um, which was good for me. Um, but yeah, growing up down Clifton Beach was really good. Um, I guess growing up for me, like a lot of my life and, and my friendship group growing up, um, and I still have a lot of these friendship groups to this day who I play football with, um, but we're all quite competitive in every, every sport, I guess, we played growing up at Lauderdale Primary School. Um, and I guess that taught me a lot from a young age um, to be competitive in sport, but also in life, um, I guess. So, yeah, we're all quite competitive and, um, yeah, we learn a lot off each other. But, yeah, I guess that's my childhood. I guess Lauderdale Primary School, then went to St Virgil's College um, and then went to Guildford Young College right up until, yeah, obviously the age of 18. So pretty normal childhood. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I guess that sort of covers it all. Talking back back onto your um, parents splitting up, what did what did that sort of um, do for you at such a young age? Yeah, it obviously wasn't ideal. Like I I still remember it like to this day, like when it happened and how it happened in terms of when my old man told us. I guess he sat us down and um, yeah, it was, it was really tough. I, I'm pretty sure I was around 14, 15, um, and yeah, it was quite an emotional time and it wasn't ideal, but. Um, like I guess it's quite quite normal, I guess, in this day and age, which is which is really sad. But um, for for being a child, it wasn't it wasn't great seeing your parents split up. And I, I guess I was quite lucky. And my mum's a really strong strong woman. Um, and she she allowed I guess I guess a lot of parents when they split up, um, they go their separate ways and everything's different. It, it gets a bit messy. But for my mum, she's a strong woman, and um, she allowed dad to sort of stay around home and um, for us kids and help us grow up and I guess I'm really grateful that mum did that because obviously dad and mum are both really important in my life but um yeah it's not a it's not a great situation to go through but um you touched on your competitive um nature or sport like were you like during school and um obviously St Virgil's being a very competitive school and then moving to Guildford yeah I guess um when I started from a young age at Lauderdale Primary School I still have those mates still to this day so yeah that's where it all sort of started and it's, it's more around every all the sports we played and uh, we'd always try to be the best we possibly could and we all played together as a team but I guess for us we were a really good junior side 
when we're at Lauderdale from under 13s to 15s, um, we had a really good core group. We're all really competitive and we're the best side. But for us, we were all trying to be competitive in a way that we wanted to be the best player as well. Like we knew we were the best side, um, but to get the best out of ourselves individually, we wanted to beat each other. And I guess that helped us all a lot. Um, to get better and I'm, I'm really grateful that I did have that group growing up I wouldn't be as good as football as I, w- I am I guess if it wasn't for that um, push along I guess from all the boys and um, yeah I still play senior football with those boys and it's just really good and then obviously going to St Virgil's um, that was really competitive it's a really good school for sport and obviously academic as well but um, for me for sport it was really competitive and it was a whole whole other level which was good so I'm really um, grateful for everything I got at St Virgil's and I guess they, they teach you a lot of traits that hold you in good stead later in life and then I guess Guildford was a really good learning curve for me because I guess every all the all the sports and all the athletes sort of all come together around Hobart obviously a lot go to Rosny as well but an EC that sort of thing but I guess for us a lot of footballers were at Guildford Young College and it was really good to sort of have everyone in the one group and be competitive and I guess push each other push each other along. I learned a lot out of that being growing up and being competitive so yeah I guess it's held me in good stead in life. You said your junior style was very competitive and um, you're a very good side. When when did you sort of know for you yourself that maybe football was what you wanted to do or have you always sort of known? Yeah I guess growing up like um, when I lived down at Clifton Beach like my old man worked at the council and he put like he came home with like full-size footy goals and we lived on five acres and I guess for me growing up like my old man played footy and it's pretty pretty similar for a lot of other, other people growing up that footy's um it's obviously our main sport in Australia and, and growing up you want to be the best footballer you can so I guess growing up it was sort of in my blood I guess for a dad um to play footy and I guess to me with my competitive nature and obsessive nature as well I knew from an early age I want to be the best I could be and I guess oh, I would have been like when I started football from like eight years of age, like I just wanted to be the best. And I felt like I did things that probably younger kids probably wouldn't have done. And that was just devote my whole life to football, um, which I look back now and go, yeah, it was good. And that's all I wanted to do. But it would have been nice to sort of have a different, like not just fully focus on football because um, yeah, it can consume your life a lot. And I guess I found out that a bit later in life, but growing up, I'd do everything I possibly could on a daily basis to be the best football I can. And, um, I felt like I did that right up until, until the age of 18. And I guess that's, that, that was my life and that's all I wanted to do. So it's just part of my DNA, I guess. But now I feel like I've grown up and realised that football's a sport and there's a lot more to life than just football, I guess. So everywhere I looked when I was doing my little bit of research, it said you were a key backman, all this backman stuff. But um, you don't mind kicking goals, though. So what, really, what position do you really like playing? Yeah, like growing up, like when I was a junior, like I, was, I wasn't that tall, like growing up. Um, I guess right up until under 15s, I was playing, I played as a midfielder right up until under 15s and even 16s, I was playing like wing half forward. Um, and then once I got to the age of 16, I shot up and had a massive growth spurt. So I sort of had to learn to play key position from the age of 16 onwards. And for me, going through, going through the state sides, um, I played a lot. I played a bit of forward, but majority back. And right up in my draft year of under-18s, I played a lot key defender. And I felt like that was, in terms of if there was a position to play, I feel like that's where I'd play the best. Not so much as a lockdown defender. I feel it's probably more reading the play. I feel like that's one of my strengths um, is reading the play. And um, I look back now and that was sort of the thing that helped me get drafted was being able to read the play and um, be a good key defender. So I guess I got drafted as a key defender, but 
Um, in terms of where I'd want to play, like I felt like uh, last year when I was playing at Lauderdale, I got to play a bit of midfield and, and the few years before I played a bit of ruck, which I hadn't done since I was a kid. Um, so I guess I'd, I'd love to be around the footy um, and around the midfield, I guess. So if I played ruck or, or a midfielder, that's probably the, my favourite position to play. Growing up, I felt like I was, I was a key defender. So that, that is correct. But um, yeah, I feel like now this playing in the state league, I feel like um, being around the balls, where I feel like I can do the most damage, and, and I enjoy it as well. Yeah, I've obviously watched you play a fair bit, and you're one of those type of players that sort of can play anywhere. Obviously, with your height, you're really good height, so you can sort of adapt to any position that you play. So it's sort of good that you have that for yourself. So you touched a um, bit about state football, um, playing for Tassie and stuff. How how's that? How's that experience? I know that's something that I never unfortunately got to uh <laughs> to witness or do but um what was it like representing your state yeah like looking back like growing up like that's all you want to do like from a 13 to 15 year old all you want to do is play state under 16s or, or state under 18 mariners footy and when you get to do it like it was, it was a massive honor like to represent your state like obviously moving to the mainland later on they have an afl team in most states around around australia so um, I guess for us, representing our state is like is a really big honour. It's one of the, I guess, the highest things you can do growing up um, is represent your state. So for me, it was a massive honour, and yeah, I, I loved every bit of it. Every bit of it, um, and I learned a lot as well. Like having coaches like Matty Armstrong um, to be able to teach us through that system and prepare us. I guess for like ultimately, people were trying in that program to get drafted and not everyone gets drafted but you've got to treat it like you're trying to get drafted so I felt like in terms of being prepared to get drafted I felt like that system was the best it possibly could and, and Matty Armstrong was unbelievable for me and also Adam Sanders was good as well and, and it was also a strength and conditioning coach David Kinsella when he took us through SNC right from the age of 15 right up to, to under 18s he helped me a lot get my body right and, and get up to play football. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that program. So you're in your under-18s um, year for football. Everything's sort of looking up. And then when when did you sort of realise that maybe you were you were a chance of getting drafted, or did you sort of did you sort of did you sort of know, or like was it more a shock when you started getting all these conversations with um, other clubs and sort of getting a lot of interest? When did you sort of know that maybe you are a chance of being drafted? Yeah, so I got injured in a pre-season game. Um, in 2012, which is my draft year, top age as, as under 18. Um, so I hurt my foot and I had a fracture in like the fourth bit of tarsal in my foot. So that sort of hampered me massively because I didn't really, I wasn't on the radar at that stage. And I, I, people sort of knew, or clubs sort of knew, but I, I, hadn't, I hadn't shown enough because um, I was really raw. Um, and I still was really raw throughout the year. So I did everything I possibly could to get my foot right. I remember seeing Steve Reid and he said, look, we're probably going to be touch and go. I just wanted to play at least one or two state games in the in the National Carnival in Victoria. So I was doing everything I possibly could to get up for those games. And he pretty much said it wasn't, wasn't going to happen, but it ended up happening. And I ended up playing two games. Uh, it would have been around May, June of 2012. I ended up playing two games there. And I felt like I played as best I possibly could in that. And I didn't even run before those games. So I was sort of going out knowing this is my only only opportunity as an 18-year-old to get drafted. And I felt like I put my best foot forward. And I guess from there onwards, um, we played a game at Busy Park, the first national game I got to play that year. And the next morning, I guess, at my time, the manager t- spoke with me, Tim Hazel, and said, you're getting a bit of interest and stuff like that. And I remember Sydney came to the hotel the next morning. like, And that, that's, that was sort of a reality that I was a chance sort of from there. And um, after I played those two games, like we played two games in a week and I was told that I'll go to draft camp. And I guess from there, I started to really think about, geez, I might be a chance to get drafted here. And if I put my best foot forward at the back end of the TSL season and form well at the draft camp, I guess 
it might be a good chance. I guess from there, like just from playing two games, that's sort of where it started, um, yeah. which is pretty crazy because that's all it takes to that's all it takes if you show a little bit of performance or, or a little bit of raw talent, which I felt like <coughs> I had. I didn't dominate the games or anything like that, but um, I felt like I showed a little bit or enough to to show that like, I guess I could be drafted. So I guess that's where it all sort of started. Draft camp. What, what was that like? You, you've you been working for this, like, like you said before, you devoted your whole life really to playing football at the highest level. So you get that invitation to draft camp. What, what was that feeling like? Yeah, that that was really good. Like when obviously being invited to draft camp, it's a really good week because you go over there. Was, I think we had about five or six Tassie boys. Um, I remember it was Jackson Thurlow, Jesse Lonigan, Toby Nan Curvis, Vanders was there. A few of us Tassie boys there, which was really good. So you, you enjoy the week, but yes, it's not easy because you got like you're in front of the AFL clubs under their eye pretty much. So it was at um, or Marvel Stadium, what's called now. That's where it was performed at, and. Yeah, I felt like I did all right in the testing. Like, I, I think I came up fifth or something in the beat test. Um, but, like, looking back at it now, like, you can perform so well at those draft camps. It doesn't yeah. mean you can play footy. So, yeah. Um, nah. So, yeah, I don't think the clubs take too much out of it, but I think it's more the opportunity for them to interview, which that was the most daunting part, the interviews with the club. But um, when you sit, you're sitting in a room with 16 club officials just staring at you and asking me pretty weird questions. So, yeah, that was, I guess, a really good experience, draft camp. What was the, what was the weirdest question you got? So I've, I've heard some of the um, questions from last year's draft camp and um, there were some, some real odd ones. Yeah, I probably can't think of any off the top of my head, but it's, it's just like, I guess they do scenarios and if you were, I guess, they're really tough questions, I guess. So it's more around like, what would you do? And they try to yeah. push you out and really, really puzzle you sort of thing, which, which isn't easy, but... Yeah, I can't remember an exact question because it's a while ago now. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's some, yeah. some weird questions. How did you go? Um, you're not you're not very quick on on your feet. How did you go with the questions? <laughs> yeah, like well, there's, there's obviously like you, you freeze a bit with with 16 people in the room. Like it's it's not ideal. But I guess yeah, as an eight in your up as well, like you're like Fuck, what's going on here? But um, yeah, it's it's a good eye opener, I guess. And yeah, I look back yeah. at that and. Yeah, it's a good experience. No, that's good. Um, who who did you support before you got drafted? Like, who? What team did you What team did you go for? Yeah, growing up, because my old man was a Colton supporter, so I, I grew up oh. barracking for Colton. Um, I guess, but I was never like a really crazy supporter or anything like that. But I, I did follow Colton, but I was like, it wasn't. They weren't everything in my life. I guess for me, like, I just wanted. I, I liked watching like all the teams, and I was more yeah. watching the players that I could sort of emulate my game on and stuff like that. Because I was just so obsessed with footy. Um, so that's sort of my growing up period of that. Who was the player? Who did you? Uh... Play, my my favourite player growing up, Chris Judd at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he was my he was my hero growing up, and I've always loved Buddy uh, Buddy Franklin. But um, but yeah, I play nothing like any of those two. So it wasn't really I was emulating. <laughs> I the mean, game I mean him, you got Buddy, you got Buddy's height, you got that ticked off. <laughs> just not just not his athleticism. No, 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 you you got there. You you'll get there. You'll get there. I promise. Um, <laughs> So that night comes the night that every kid sort of dreams for when they want to achieve their dreams of playing AFL. Draft night. What, what was that night for you? Obviously drafted at um, yeah. number 62 to the Crows. Yeah, so draft night was, was obviously a pretty nerve-wracking night, really. Um, so I remember speaking to my manager like, that night and I think he'd spoken to mum, but mum didn't really say too much, but said the clubs I <clears> potentially <throat> may go at. And um, I remember hearing I, sh- I was going to go to, I think it was Sydney in the 40s, and I was like, I was like, oh, that's all. I didn't really care where I was going to go to because you're going to have to move away from home anyway. Um, so mm. I was happy to go anywhere. But um, yeah, it was really nerve-wracking. And then 
obviously going through the draft, like I was like, I was like when the twenties went by, thirties and the forties, I was like, I guess when the forties sort of finished and went into the fifties, I was like, in my mind, I, I guess I have a bit of a background side of it. So the Crows originally had pick twenty, and I think they had a pick in the forties as well. So. I'd been speaking with Hamish Ogilvy, the head recruiter of Adelaide, and David Noble, um, who's now at Brisbane, came down to my home and interviewed me. And it was sort of, it wasn't secret, but it was sort of like low-key sort of thing and wanted to keep it under wraps. They didn't want me to tell any other clubs that they'd spoken to me. And then they lost their picks the night before the draft because of the Kurt Tippett stuff that happened. Yeah. Um, so they lost all those early picks and their first pick was 62, which I ended up going, but yeah, they lost all those picks. So for me, I completely forgot about Adelaide because Hamish messaged me the night before the draft and said, look, we're not going to get you. You're going to be picked up before 62. So like, thanks for everything and, and all the best. Um, and I guess I completely ruled out Adelaide. And then, as I said before, once I got through the 50s, I completely forgot about Adelaide. And then I remember mum said, she was like, oh, Adelaide's up soon, like with 62. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I remember they do it differently now, but your player ID number gets used to get called out. And I knew my player ID. And I know my family members knew it off by heart as well. So they read that out before your name. Um, so I'd gone outside because I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to get drafted because I was, I was confident I was going to get picked. And then um, it was like pick 62 and Hamish read out my number and name. And then, yeah, like I just, it, was, it was the best feeling and the best moment. And it was just my immediate, immediate family at the time because I, I didn't want to have a big party just in case things get picked up. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was a great moment. It was pretty, yeah, it's pretty emotional. But yeah, like obviously, you dream of doing that as a kid growing up, and yeah, it's really a big part of my life, I guess. Because that's what I wanted to do as a kid, and full steam ahead from there. Really, um, you had to get on a plane and um, fly out to Adelaide, I guess, on that Sunday. So the draft was the Thursday, and you had to fly out on the on the Saturday, on the Sunday. You mentioned earlier before the role your mother had on you. What was it like moving away? Obviously, moving to Adelaide, a kid from Tassie, you're leaving your parents, you're leaving your friends and family. What was that? What did that sort of do to you? Yeah, so for me, it was really tough because growing up, all I wanted to do was just get drafted. And then you don't really think about it like until you actually get drafted and you get on that plane for the first time to go to, to Adelaide for me. Um, and Hamish Douglas, we flew down from Adelaide and, and, and spoke with my family and stuff like that. But um, leaving my family and then my girlfriend, like saying goodbye to them, knowing I was moving to Adelaide. And I remember getting on the plane and I was like crying, like walking up onto the plane. So I was just like, I'm leaving my family. And I, I'd never, I'd never moved away from home. I hadn't even lived out of home. For me, it was quite an emotional time, which is really weird because you just got drafted and that's all you want to do as a kid. But I was crying because I was leaving my family, which obviously is so important to me. And I remember Hamish said when we got on the on the plane, he said, he said, he said, mate, every most people I pick up that move into state cry like when they get on the plane it's just part and parcel like don't feel ashamed and all that sort of thing and because I was trying to hide the tears from him but mm. um, but yeah like it was it's just it was hard like and I, I remember my first year was really hard moving away from home and like especially being away from Maddie and my family and that was a really tough period and I was homesick in my first year and then I, I felt like the second and third I sort of got used to it but yeah it isn't easy and I feel like it's a massive issue especially with Tasmanians when they do get drafted that and it's easy to say but I don't feel like we're prepared to move into state because a lot of other clubs a lot of other people that get drafted they have this in the back of their mind that they can always potentially move back to their home state and play AFL in their home state like um yeah so I guess we don't have that so we don't, we can't think like that and a lot of other players would go oh I'll spend two years at that club and then I could come home but a lot of people fall in love with the state and stay there. But I guess for us, it's like, yeah, this is it. Like, you've got to move away. But 
yeah, it isn't easy for the Tassie boys. And I guess it's sort of shown in, in what's happened throughout, I guess, the last 10 years or so. Like it's, it is hard for Tassie boys to cement in the AFL, which a lot of them have, but a lot of us, I guess, haven't. Um, and I guess I'm an example of that. I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve and um, didn't get the most out of it. But yeah, that's, that's just how it is. So obviously you get there, you wanted to um, achieve this dream for ages. What was that moment like? Yeah, I remember, I remember, um, I think we rocked up to the airport and I think Rory, I think Rory Sloan was there and a couple of other boys and um, it might even have been Brett Sanderson at the time who was our coach. Um, I remember that was like, I was starstruck at the very start, but it wasn't probably until I walked into the club um, on the first day when we were going to training. It was, it was quite hot. I remember I was, I was starstruck with seeing all the boys. I remember seeing Paddy Dangerfield at the time. Obviously, he was, he was a star already. And that was really starstruck from that. But I guess the biggest one, like when I saw, and, and Taylor Walker was at that stage, he was massive. Like he had his, it was when he had his mullet, like, and he was a massive influence for me after this period. But I remember meeting him for the first time. That was when I was really starstruck. Um, and it seems weird saying that now, getting to know Taylor. But yeah, it was, that was, I was really starstruck meeting all the boys and obviously training with them for the first session was, it wasn't, wasn't easy, but like I just, I loved every minute of it. And I look back at those times and, um, yeah, I'm really grateful that I got to do that. Like, it's easy to say, oh, I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. And I, I didn't, for me, like the biggest burden out of all of it is I didn't get to play an AFL game. And I guess it's, it's not easy to say that, but like a lot of other kids, I guess, don't get the opportunity to be drafted and to be able to, I guess, be a professional athlete. And I got to do that for three years and be paid, I guess, as an athlete. And a lot of people don't get to do that, which I am proud of that. But I guess for me, deep down, it sort of hurts a little bit. I didn't get to go on and, and play AFL. And I know the boys that, <clears throat> for example, like Josh McGuinness, who I play with down at Lauderdale, I know me and him would feel the same, that we both didn't get to sort of actually say, oh, we played AFL because because we didn't get to actually play that game. But um, I'm still proud of what I achieved. And um, I guess I'm, I'm 26 now and I still feel like I've got a lot of good footy ahead of me. But um, I look back at those times and go, yeah, I am, I am proud of sort of getting to, that, getting to that position. No, you should be. You definitely should be proud. You've worked really hard to get there and no, no one can take that away from you. You're, you, you were drafted. You were Adelaide Crows player. I mean, that's, that's a huge achievement. Um, you, touched, you touched on Tyler Walker there a bit. So he's got a fair bit of um, stuff lately with um, the whole captaincy and not being a good leader and all that sort of stuff. What, what was sort of your um, mindset when you saw that sort of news? Obviously, you two struck a good relationship and to have something like that being said about someone who you know and care about is obviously it wouldn't be a good feeling. So can you sort of touch a bit about that? Yeah, I guess for me, me and Taylor, like I, we got on really well right from the start. And of that is because Taylor's growing up was similar, or found out this later, but his period of childhood growing up was quite similar to mine. He's a bit of a sort of a country boy, chilled out sort of a bloke. And I guess at the time when I first met him, he probably didn't realise how, how much of a natural leader he was. But um, he was someone I looked up to and wanted to be like. And um, obviously later on, he became our captain in 2015. And you've you got to know Taylor to understand why he got that position of being captain because a lot of people are drawn to him and he's a born leader and, and we all follow his lead. And I guess when I saw... When I saw all that stuff, um, his captaincy and all that sort of thing, it was, I guess, for me, knowing Taylor, yeah, it, it, didn't sit, it didn't sit well with me. And I know it didn't sit well with a lot of other people. But I guess for Taylor, knowing him, he wouldn't care less about what other people say in the media or the outsiders say. He, he loves that football club. And, um, and I guess he, if he has the respect of that club and the playing group and the coaching staff, then that's all that matters to him. So 
yeah, I don't think it would affect him too much. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's obviously a really good person, Taylor. And, um, yeah, I keep in touch with him still. And I, I learn a lot off him. And um, he, he's been through a lot of adversity, I guess, in his life. And, and yeah, he's, he's a strong person. And I, I still look up to him to this day. So you've been drafted, a bit training, you're living living the dream and you're playing a bit of sample. But um, I was doing, doing a bit of research and um, I, don't know, I don't know if this is correct, but um, what, what, was your, what was the injury that you had? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, was the injury that you, what was the injury that you had uh, your first few months yeah. of sample? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, it might have been like 2014 or maybe 2015. I had like, obviously, I know what you're referring to. I had, I had a buttock, I had a buttock injury, which like still to this day affects me. Like it's, um, it is pretty funny, but yeah, like I had an issue with my with my glute or my buttock, which is something to do with the sciatic nerve. It sort of runs down the back of my leg and. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess it was it was an annoying injury, but yeah, I ended up getting. I think I had. I would have had two or three. Um, cortisone injections jabbed into my ass, which wasn't um, which wasn't ideal, especially when you had to get back into the car. Like I had to sit really weird when I was driving, and yeah, I had to sit on the upper cheek every time I sit down. But um, that's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, which obviously was pretty funny. But, but yeah, I had a few injuries over my time in Adelaide, which a lot of obviously a lot of footballers do. But it was funny that sort yeah. of injury. It wasn't wasn't ideal, but yeah. When I saw it, I was like, surely, surely this is not correct, but. <laughs> into a little bit more, so I just thought I had to uh, had to ask you about that. So how's how's the sort of um obviously you're playing in a stand for you're not you you're getting injured and sort of um you're obviously trying to aspire to play that first game of AFL, but frustrating at times. Yeah, it's, look, it is really frustrating, and obviously a lot of people <laughs> have been in the same boat. I guess for me, like when I got drafted, I didn't feel like I was mentally or physically ready to play AFL football, and I probably, to be honest with you, I, I probably wasn't even ready in my third year because I was, I was really raw when I did get drafted and I felt like I got drafted on potential and a lot of um, talent side of things that I hadn't shown heaps. But I think that was uh, that was why the club drafted me was more from a long-term point of view. So, yeah. yeah, I guess for me, like, I wasn't... I never really felt like I was close to playing AFL football probably until my in my third year. But I still... I probably wasn't nowhere even near ready to play at that time anyway. But, yeah, having injuries wasn't ideal. And I think in my second year, I didn't really have many injuries, which was really good. And 2014... That second year was probably my best year, I guess, like in terms of consistent football and, and playing sample football, which people that don't know is a re- obviously a really good competition and um, highly regarded in the football circles around Australia. And you're playing against men and it's yeah, it's an unbelievable competition, which I look back now and I guess playing as an 18, 18 year old, 20 or 19, 20 year old playing sample footy. Yeah, it wasn't easy playing sample footy, let alone playing AFL football, which I don't feel like I was ready at that time. But I felt like I was getting better and better as a sample player. But in my last year, um, a lot of things um, happened during that year. And it wasn't so much injury. Like, it, it probably was put down as injury. But it's probably more from a mental point of view. It was sort of hit me really hard in the last year of 2015. So, yeah, it's, it, it is frustrating. But um, for me, sample footy was the level I felt like I was at. And I, obviously, I was aspiring to play AFL football. But I knew that I had to continue to get better as a sample player before I was to even think about AFL. You did touch a bit about um, that mental side of um, injuries and also playing football, and but more importantly, being a being a human being, you're going to go through issues in life and sort of how you deal with them that matters. Um, 
the tragic passing of Bill Walsh, how did that sort of um how did that affect you? That was one of the reasons that sort of pushed you to come back home as you were sort of struggling with that. But um can you sort of talk about that a little bit more? I'll touch on Phil, like, soon. I guess the biggest thing with that year in 2015, um, and it sort of leads into Phil, like, I, I, had, a tra- I had a training accident with um, another player in 2015, which is my last year. Um, and this would have been about four or five months before Phil passed away. Um, so I had a training accident where I accidentally collided with another player and um, my knee collided with the side of, side of his head and um, it fractured his skull. Um, and it was quite a, it was, it was, it was a really traumatic period for a lot of the players, but well, I guess for me, because I was a player that I guess did it and um, it was completely accidental. But for me, like obviously, I'd, it was really hard, um, which is really hard to look back on. And um, yeah, the, at the time, well, obviously, the player was Brent Ryan, it's, it's been reported on. And um, Brent's obviously a champion of the Adelaide Football Club. He's played 200 AFL games and um, he never played football again after that because of the injury. And I guess for me, that sort of where it all started in 2015 that that, that occurred. And yeah, it sort of pushed my passion for football down really. Like I lost a lot of passion because I realised that footy isn't the be all end all. And um, yeah, I guess seeing someone like Brent, I guess being in that position where he's, yeah, half, like he, half his face was numb sort of thing. And obviously he couldn't play football again. So it really affected me immensely. And um I guess through that period, Phil Walsh was really good for me, like because of that wasn't ideal um, that that occurred, and, and he helped me through that process and, and get back to training. And there was times where I didn't rock up at training because I just couldn't get myself out of bed. So I was just so, I guess, depressed and down, and um, really, I guess I had no interest for football at that time. And and he helped me so much. So I guess after that, obviously Phil passed away, and th- and that was a really really tough period, and I'll still never forget. The, the moments, I guess, when we got told. And um, I remember waking up, it would have been about 5.30 or 6 a.m. Um, in the morning and I got a phone call and it was, I rolled over and it was, it was Darren Milburn calling, who's obviously a, a champion of the Geelong Footy Club and he was our assistant coach at the time at Adelaide. And um, I sort of let it ring out because I was just like, why is he calling me at that time in the morning? And um, I ended up listening to his voicemail. I was like, shit, I better call him. Um, so I called him and I said, how you going? Dasha and and he said, "Oh, I've been better, such and such." He goes, "He goes, can you get to the club as soon as you can?" And I was just like, "Yeah, what's happened?" He said, "Oh, he goes, um, he said Phil's passed away." And I, was, for me, he didn't say obviously what happened, and I was in complete shock at the time. I went back and told my now wife Maddie, um, who was in bed, and and she was hysterical um, because Phil had this amazing bond with a lot of people, and he touched even our partners, like he um, helped them and. Yeah, he touched a lot of people in a short a period, short period of time, and um, yeah, I guess that was really tough. And going in to see all the boys in the locker room, which not a not a word was said, was a really tough period. And um, yeah, it was really eerie, and it's just obviously it's something that may never ever happen again in um, in the history. I guess in AFL, like um, that a coach would be murdered. I guess um, so. Yeah, it wasn't easy. So having that happen before, and then leading up to that, I guess for me, like. I was in a pretty deep hole and I really, I guess, lost all passion for footy. And, um, yeah, Phil was amazing for me and I learned so many life lessons, which I, I still to this day 
uh, pride myself on. And, and even with football, uh, if I'm struggling, I think about what he would tell me. And I'll never forget the last time I spoke with Phil and, and he said to me, and, and I'll never forget, he said, we had a meeting about football and where I need to go to to play AFL. And I remember the last words he said, and he made me write down my book. And he just says, sounds silly, but he just said, keep going. And I guess his reason behind that was just keep going no matter what, like how you're feeling, just keep moving forward. And um, yeah, I, I remember writing that on my, on my um, wrist taping um, for the back end of that year in the sample for Phil. And um, that's something I looked, looked on a lot, I guess. Still to this day. It was a very uh, tragic time and thanks Pete for sharing that. I know it would have been pretty hard for you to talk about it. You have um, a few setbacks and um, you're struggling mentally. You made the decision, oh my God, I can't say the word. <laughs> you made the choice to, um, <laughs> you made the choice to move back to um, Tassie. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I've been, um, I've been thinking about that. I guess after Phil passed away, I got back and was motivated to play footy and, got myself in a good position and I played a few games and then I just hit a massive slump and I guess um, I said I guess I, I've opened up and I'm, I'm happy to open up about I was struggling mentally and I guess mentally I was struggling from a depression anxiety OCD point of view um, which wasn't which wasn't easy and um, I lost all passion for footy so the biggest thing out of it I lost a lot of passion for footy and now I look back at it and go oh I should could have um could have pushed short sort of thing, but then I don't know where I'd be at if I was to do that. So I don't regret it, but I remember sitting down with the club and um, speaking with them and it went back and forth for about a month of um, trying to sit on it and think about it because I, I guess it was a big part of my life and I, I guess they just wanted me to make the right decision and I'm really thankful for the, for the Crows being able to give me that time to make that decision. But I remember sitting down with the player welfare manager, Emma Barr, who um, I'm extremely grateful to this day on how much time and effort she put into me through that period. She was, yeah, she was like my second mother sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I'm really grateful. She'd always catch up with me and always call me um, when I was struggling. And um, <clears throat> I made the decision that I was going to move home. And I sat down with David Noble, who was the head of football at Adelaide at the time. And um, he's obviously the head of football at Brisbane now, um, which I still, every time I see him, I'll, if he's down from, down in Tassie, I'll catch up with him because um, he was really good for me. So I sat in the meeting room, my manager, David Noble, and the player welfare, and, yeah, I just told him that I was going to head home. And, um, yeah, I'd made that decision. And I guess growing up, all you want to do is play AFL football. And to be telling an AFL club that you're going to stop playing football and you're going to move home to Tasmania is not something I ever thought I'd, I, I ever thought I'd be in that position um, to do that. But I don't regret it. Um, I don't know where I would have been if I had to keep pushing through it. But, yeah, I guess moving home was something I needed to do. And I'm glad I did it because I needed to be around my family and friends. And um, obviously being away wasn't easy. But, um, yeah, moving back was yeah, the best thing I could have done. And I felt like, yeah, I had to do it. But, yeah, do, do I ever think about, would I ever, like, do I regret it? And could I have made a better decision? Sometimes I do. but. I try not to, but yeah, but that's, that's something I had to do, I guess, for my mental health and moving forward in life. I think for me personally, obviously I haven't had to go through um, things as big as big as scale as you have, but um, obviously with my own little stuff that I've had to face, sort of sweeping, sweeping them under the carpet and sort of not um, talking about them and doing just trying to forget them and then going out and playing footy or hanging out with friends. It was sort of my way of um, 
not dealing with the problem. And then once football was finished and or I finished hanging out with my friends, it was like, well, the problem's still there and I didn't address it. But it was sort of good that you nullified the um, problem and you addressed it and you were you made a decision to move back home. So and uh, it's good. They shouldn't have any regrets on that behalf. Really yeah, that's the thing. Like, I guess, I guess for me, like being in that position, I'm happy to open up and speak about it. Like, and and obviously you spoke about your struggles and stuff. Like, and, and it is easy to sweep it under the carpet. But if we if we can open up and speak with our mates or family or the medical specialists, it's, it's, we have to do it. And I feel like society's changed now. And obviously, speak up, say, chatting is a massive part of, I guess, our lives, especially in Tasmania because it's so big. But um, yeah. it is so important that we do we do speak up. So. You got off the flight, you were back in the cold, chilly Tasmania in Hobart. Um, and then you start playing footy again. Did you go back to Lauderdale for, for a few years? Yeah, so I went back to, I went back to Lauderdale, um, yeah, which I, I felt like was really good because all my mates were still there at Lauderdale. And yeah, I remember going, yeah, I remember going straight back there. And um, looking back, like I, I almost should have had a bit more time off, really. Um, obviously, I was in a pretty dark place and I went. I was just, because I'd come back to Tasmania, I was like, I need to be like one of the best players in Tasmania, such and such. But I was nowhere near ready to be. I shouldn't even have been playing football. I should have been focused on my mental health, which is far more important than playing football. But I did. I came back and played football. I remember it was, I think I only played. I would have only played half a season. And then obviously the stuff went down, which with Clarence, which wasn't obviously ideal. But but yeah, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed my time at the start. And I just, yeah, I just... Uh, once I went, got back to playing, I probably, yeah, lost a lot of passion straight away, really. I guess it was more the hype that I was coming back to Tasmania and I wanted to play with my mates. And then once I got playing, I, I sort of lost that passion pretty quickly and then just fell back into a dark hole, I guess. Um, which, when I look back, that should have been another sign where I should have been like, nah, I should have stopped playing and, and had the rest of the year off. But On that, moving back, you said um, you came back to Tasmania, wanted to play football and being one of the best players in Tasmania. Did you sort of feel as if, well, for me personally, when I did see that um, you were coming back, I, I thought there was going to be a huge um, expectation on you to sort of um, drive that club because obviously they've been one of those clubs that have been successful but never really got to the point where sort of the teams like um, North Launceston, like that much success that they've had, did you sort of feel as if um, a lot of people in the community thought or put expectations on you to be that person to lift that club back up yeah 100% like that that is exactly right and I guess it's, it's not a bad thing to, to to think like that but when you when you don't perform and um and you're not living up to that expectation I guess it's, it's not easy and I think at the age I would have been I would have been 21 so I was not like I was sort of season sort of a bit older but um yeah I certainly felt that expectation coming back to Tassie and it's not like I was dominating CFL footy or anything like that. Like I hadn't even played AFL football. So, um, but because you were on an AFL list, which well, this day and age, there's not as many people from Tasmania who are on AFL list. So when you do come back, the, the expectation is that you dominate no matter what. It didn't affect me too much, but um, yeah, I guess when you, I guess when I first came back, I wasn't performing the way I wanted to, and probably what other people thought I would be performing. Um, and I guess a big part of that was I just wasn't ready mentally like to go back into football. I'd just come off a pretty traumatic year in 2015. And, and I guess 2016 ended up being a pretty um, shitty year. But I guess a lot of that year was sort of my own fault. Um, 
Darren Winter, I know you respect the guy a lot and um, he's done a, a lot for you, but the media, once something goes wrong or something doesn't go to plan, everything gets blown up and sort of drives a wedge with, between people, which was evident between um, you and Darren. And I know, obviously, you didn't want things to go the way that they did. Can you sort of touch on that? Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, for, for me and Windy, like, obviously, I'm back at Lauderdale now and had a really relationship with him now. But I guess in 20, 2016, halfway through the season or as early on in the season, I guess, to be honest with you, like, and, and I guess me and Darren, we're the only ones that know this, but for me, I was in a really dark place. And, and I, I shared that with Darren. And I look back on that time now and, and I'm really embarrassed and sort of ashamed on on how I handled that. And I was very immature the way I did handle it. I guess for me, I was looking for, a, I guess I was looking for a reason to, to sort of escape footy and, and get out of footy. And I was just making really dumb decisions, which when you're in a mental state like that, you do make decisions and impulsive decisions, which when you're in a good state, obviously aren't, aren't right. So really, see, between me and Darren, nothing really happened, to be honest with you. It was more my fault, to be honest with you. And then obviously, yeah, I guess for me, I, I was looking for that reason. And I, I felt like I blamed Darren a lot for, for sort of leaving Lauderdale. And really, it wasn't really his fault. It was more me just being in a really mental, a dark mental place. So like, I, I guess I'm really ashamed of that. And I've said that before. And yeah, it was an easy period. And then obviously making a decision to go to Clarence, which is obviously a whole new whole new yeah. ball game going to the opposition, which is obviously their arch rival. I don't want to say I regret that decision because I don't, because I, I really enjoyed my time um, at Clarence and they're re- obviously a really successful football club and I loved every minute of, of being there and um, I've still got friends, lifelong friends to this day in, in Jeremy Webley, Aidan Grace um, and obviously Sam Williams still uh, from that football club. So I don't regret going there and I loved every minute of it. Um, but I guess looking back at the decision to leave Bordale was a decision I probably should have sat on for a while. And yeah, I, I, I should have had the rest of the year off before I made any decision on where I was going to play football. But um, it is what it is. We're, me and Darren have both moved on now. We're both adults and um, we've had a, we had a conversation before I went back to Lauderdale and yeah, we, we, we moved on and, and hopefully Darren still being coach of Lauderdale, hopefully we can go that one step further and, and, and hopefully win a premiership, which is ultimately what we're trying to achieve. That's good that you, sort of, you guys sort of talk that out and um, work things out. Um, before we move on to you playing some absolutely amazing football in um, the year before you moved to Geelong, that game, that um, Clarence first Lauderdale, that game, I know I was, I was at that game and that was one of, the, uh, sort of, one of the scariest football games I've ever sort of been at. <laughs> especially for a bloke that you know and that you you care about just to get targeted at every stop it was yeah so i guess um when i did move to clarence there was, was i think it was only 3 or 4 weeks later once i did move to clarence we were going to play lauderdale and it was at lauderdale so it was sort of set you up on that well um yeah it was set up really well so it wasn't it wasn't great but um i guess for me i used it as motivation to to try obviously dominate and and obviously i didn't dominate um but <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I mean, the, like, the week leading up to it, there was a fair bit of media stuff around it in, Tas- yeah. in Tasmania. But, yeah, I guess, for me, I, I knew I was going to be targeted and I didn't know what was sort of going to happen. But, yeah, I, get, I, was, I was sort of waiting for it at the start of the game to be targeted. And I remember right from the start, people said you're going to get targeted. But it's certainly the opposite. And, yeah, it was, it was a more, I guess, knowing Windy um, was a bit, of a bit of a mind game thing. And he didn't actually target me from the very start. So I was waiting for contact 
right from the start and it didn't happen so I was a bit rattled so Windy won that first battle and then from yeah. there on it was really it was really tough because um, every time I went near the ball I got I got smashed pretty much yeah yeah when Windy yeah done that he obviously from the mind game point of view had won that battle but yeah I remember I remember going to a I think it was a stoppage um, near the club rooms and I, Ben McGuinness was playing on me and, and he completely every time I went near the ball he completely um like dominated yeah. me I didn't get near the footy and he'd be always on my tail and yeah he was trying so hard and I just couldn't get near the footy and I remember I had zero touches like to halfway through the second quarter because every time I go near I'd get smashed yeah I remember going to that stoppage and then um, a, a sort of a scuffle broke out and I said to Ben McGuinness oh, I'm going to go in there and he said good luck and then um, <laughs> I remember going in there and then once the players sort of seen that I was in there I just got completely oh, no. yeah. completely smashed I remember just getting punched in the back of the head and, and, yeah. and Cassidy was obviously the obviously the captain of Lord at the time yeah I remember getting smashed by Cass and then um, yeah it was just on and it was just yeah it wasn't ideal yeah. but um, I'm glad I came out of that game reasonably unscathed. <laughs> you would have gained a lot of respect for the Lauderdale faithful after that game. I know, like, obviously it wasn't an ideal situation, but how you sort of carried yourself and didn't really, like, you didn't back away from anything. You sort of kept on playing. You were there to do a job and there to play a game of football, so you didn't really let any of the outside noise affect you. Yeah, I guess, like, obviously coming from the year before, the mental state I was in, like, obviously it wasn't ideal to go through something like that, but I felt like it's held me in good stead going forward, and I guess it was a, it was a decision I made and I had to face it head on so I could have easily um, backed down but I felt like I, I held myself well in, through those times and um, yeah didn't do anything silly or anything like that so um, yeah it obviously made me stronger going forward in terms of player and um, as a footballer so yeah I'm sort of grateful I did go through that period but yeah, it's, yeah. if I could go back I, I obviously would change this few things and, and would make a few smarter decisions. Yeah, no, that's understandable. Um, so, yeah, you, like I said before, your um, 2017 rolls around, you're playing some great football. And then um, you're sort of getting a bit of interest from um, sort of this few VFL clubs. And then Geelong sort of, um, what was the goal with Geelong moving moving to Geelong? Yeah, I guess so. 2017, I was playing at Clarence. So I felt like I played some really good footy um, in 2017. And then the back end of the year, I remember speaking to Tom Couch um, about it. And, and he said, oh, you should move to Toria. And he was a big fan of Geelong, obviously, with his, with his old man being a Brownlow medalist at Geelong. He said how good of a footy club um, and a footy town Geelong is and um, it's something I should yeah. consider. And I guess for me, uh, and I guess the way I go about life, I'm quite impulsive. And for me, I was like, I want to have one more crack, I guess, to playing at that level and, and trying to go a bit higher. Um, but I, I just, I guess I wanted to wanted to do that. And um, yeah, I moved to Geelong in um, the back end. or was started 2018, played um, with Geelong VFL, um, throughout that 2018 period. I think I would have missed a few games, but I think I played 10 VFL games that year, but um, yeah. I missed a bit through injury and, yeah, a few few things that I look back on now and I yeah. sort of I sort of regret in that middle of the year, but I enjoy, I'm, I'm, glad I'm, I'm glad I did it. Um, and VFL is a really high standard and I could have easily stayed another year, but I just felt like, yeah, I wanted to, wanted to come home again and I was pretty content on where I was at in life and, um, yeah, footy's not everything and I'm glad I did it. No, that's good. That's good. Um, so I just want—I want to ask you a question because I heard a bit of a rumor. So it was uh, so obviously I was living in Geelong as well, or am living in Geelong as well, and I'm playing in the uh, yeah. or was playing in the uh, the JFL, and there was a yeah. were playing for St Mary's during that, but uh, when um as an aligned club, and there was a game St Mary's versus Bell Park, um, at Bell Park, and you were you were listed to play 
in that game. You apparently you saw the team list and you saw Jay Bangura lining up on the wing, and you uh, <laughs> you rang up you rang up the coach and was like, "Oh, look, mate, I've actually got to go to Tassie this weekend. I've got some family stuff I need to do." So, you just want to touch a little bit on that for me? Yeah, obviously, obviously, when I um I was I went back and played for St Mary, or well, I was supposed to play for St Mary's that day, and um. I remember, I remember seeing the team sheets coming on a Thursday night, and I was just like, when I saw Jay Bangura, I was like, oh, I can't <laughs> see myself playing. I cannot see myself playing against this big, big human being. I just, I just said to the coach, look, I, I can't play, and he's obviously a superstar. I just can't come up against someone like that. So good, man. I would have, I would have outran <laughs> you on the wing, would have tackled you all day, but it's all good. It's all good. You sort of, you saved yourself. Man. Yeah, I heard you. Um, I heard you. Uh, threw a few uh, punches under the under the packs nah, that day. Nah, 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 not me. Um, I, no, 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 not me. No, another bloke. Another bloke. You know how I am. Yeah. All about the tackles. I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm a fun guy. Yeah, that's not what I've heard. <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> yeah. What was Geelong like for you though? So obviously playing VFL, obviously the training, training with AFL players, um, playing with them as well. What was that sort of experience for? Obviously you were in the AFL system for a while, but coming back to that, was that sort of what you expected? Was it sort of the same thing? Yeah, it was obviously it was a really professional footy program that was put together. Um, obviously in the VFL, obviously you're, you're in a um, you're in a line footy club, and obviously the main focus of that VFL side is that. The AFL listed players are the priority. Um, that obviously you're playing VFL, and then obviously, essentially, what we are as play or what I was 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 a top up, and you're just topping up that team. And it isn't easy to to be a top up. And obviously, I've been on the other side, and, and we've had top ups in the Stanford. So, I guess I sort of knew where I was. I sort of sat in that, and it's not easy, but it was really well well run footy footy program. And yeah, I was I was obviously lucky enough to train with the AFL team on a number of occasions um, throughout the pre-season of that year and yeah it's obviously an unbelievable experience um, to train with some of those players that I met for the first time and to be able to train with people like Gary Ablett Jr and Joel Selwood and obviously I'd been with Paddy before but and even folks like Hawkins and being able to play with Hawkins in a, in a pracky match was obviously an unbelievable experience and yeah I loved it I loved every minute of it. So yeah, you had a year in Geelong. You are uh, you sort of bitched out versing me, but don't, we won't we won't talk about that again. Um, so you moved back to Tassie. When you moved back, you are uh, you cop a knee and um, you ask your beautiful girlfriend <laughs> to marry you. By the way, you're heavily punching on that aspect of things, but don't worry about that. Um, we'll move on. Talk about that a bit. Yeah. So I remember. Um, yeah. So me and Maddie have been together since oh, it was started 2012. So I'd be about. Eight, eight and a half years now, I guess. Um, but yeah, at the time, um, I was living in Geelong and um, Maddie was back in Tassie at the time. She hadn't moved over. And I remember thinking about, like, obviously proposing and preparing it and, and stuff like that. So that's something I obviously wanted to do and I've been with her for a long time. So I obviously knew I was going to marry her, but it was just, yeah, it was obviously doing it was another thing. So um, I guess the way I did it was I came back one weekend um, to Tassie and, and all her family and my family were there and um, a few of my close mates and yeah, I popped the question in front of them. And I remember when I asked her, um, will she marry me? I just, I, I don't even think I said it to be honest with you. I just sat down, I just got down <laughs> on the one knee and did the hip flexor stretch and then just opened the box and, and, uh, and just like, yeah, couldn't even move my mouth. But yeah, I was a bit nervous, but yeah, she obviously, she obviously said yes. And, um, yeah, we, we got married in December 
um, last year. So we've been married. I think it was six months yesterday. So yeah, we've been married now. And um, to be honest with you, not much really changes. But yeah, obviously she's a big part of my life, and um, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be here today without her. Got a bit of a bonus pick with you on that. Um, on that though, on the um, wedding. Um, I don't know yeah. what to go with Australia Post is, but uh, my invite sort of uh, what happened with that, mate? Just uh, left that. Yeah, didn't you um didn't you get that invite? I I was nah. wondering why you didn't um nah, why you didn't turn up to the wedding because nah, yeah there's a few in, there's a few invites there's a few invites that sort of um that went missing so yeah yeah you were probably one of those people that sort of went missing but um hey, maybe yeah, it was Aiden Gra- maybe it was Aiden Grace on his um posty bike who <laughs> must have misplaced that invite from when you when you when you punched him <laughs> under that pack that day. Oh, here we go, here we go. That's, uh, that's good on you, Aiden. Yeah, so you start playing footy again um, back at Lauderdale, like you said before, and then obviously this COVID, COVID shit hit. So what, is, um, what did that sort of do for you? Obviously, you wanted to come back to play a bit more footy, be with your family. Yeah, so obviously, I guess last year was, was a really good year for me for football-wise. I really enjoyed it um, in 2019. And yeah, I felt like obviously winning the premiership was the main goal, and obviously we didn't achieve that, but... Yeah, I really enjoyed just having fun playing footy again. Um, I guess being back at Lauderdale, I just felt a bit more comfortable. And um, footy came third, I guess, to me. Like, obviously, family and, and then work. And then footy was the way I worked things in terms of priority. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the year. And obviously, losing the grand final really hurt hard. But, yeah, hopefully, we can we can win it eventually. But, yeah, obviously, the COVID-19 stuff hasn't been great um, for this year. But hopefully, we can get a season going. And obviously, uh, it isn't a normal season. But I guess... For us, you've got to make most of it, and yeah, it's an it's an opportunity, and I guess a lot of people look back in twenty on twenty twenty and say, well, who who won the premiership that year? And I guess for every team in the TSL, we we want to be that team that can win it, and um, obviously we've never won a premiership at Lauderdale, and um, yeah, we'll try we'll try our best, but obviously there's a there's a powerhouse up up north, and um, they're yeah. very hard to beat, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously try our best, and you also got to watch out for the days as well, but. <laughs> Better days. Hi guys, hope you're enjoying the chat with Sam so far. Throughout the next section of the podcast, I'll be asking Sam if he would kindly be able to share with me a time he faced a challenge, setback or failure, how it affected him, what he learned from the experience and any advice he would like to offer. Yeah, obviously I've touched on it before, but I guess for the setbacks for me, like I felt like if I just packaged it all together in terms of going through adversity, I felt like I've gone through a fair bit of adversity um, throughout my I guess, short adulthood life, I guess, from the age of 18 to now. And yeah, I guess going through that adversity and, and those tough times um, mentally, obviously haven't been easy, but I certainly feel like it's, it's held me in good stand. It's made me a lot stronger going forward in life. And yeah, I'm really grateful I experienced those times. And I feel like sometimes you've got to go through those tough periods to, to um, set you up in life. And I guess the best advice I could give to a lot of people is just enjoy what you do. And um, I guess be you, like don't try to be anyone else. And yeah, like just just enjoy life and, and, and be around your family and friends. And that, that growing up, I wanted to impress a lot of people. But for me now, I've realised there's there's important people in life and, and you can't impress everyone. So you've just got to enjoy life and, and you know, I guess you can't please everyone. That would be the biggest advice I could give is, um, and then obviously from the other side of it, if you are struggling and do get in positions, I guess, that I was in from a mental point of view, you do, you do need to speak up. And I felt like I, I did do that and I obviously... Early on, I didn't do that. I let it boil up. But um, yeah, 
I guess I, I spoke up and I'm glad I did and it's, it's got me through to the other side and I'm not saying I won't ever face that again because you, you'll live with the mental health side of things the majority of your life is just about how you control it so yeah I, I guess that, that's probably my best advice is just to just speak up if you need to. Yeah no that's something definitely I admire about you how you sort of you never really let your setbacks and challenges sort of um, get to you too much you're always sort of um, able to either talk about them or sort of um get help which is really good and something that i've sort of been working on but no it's something that i really admire on you what's what's going on now so i see you and uh you and thor and aiden and some of the other boys are riding around hobart like maniacs um um, coffee (laughs) and all these sort of stuff what's the go with that yeah so um yeah so it was when COVID-19 happened so um I created an Instagram and I, I did it with Aiden, Aiden Grace. We created a, an Instagram page called Sipper Life. And pretty much what it's about is we're just trying to get around small um, coffee and wine businesses um, around Australia, but I guess for us around Tasmania. And we're just trying to support those small businesses during the tough time of COVID-19. And obviously we're starting to come on the other side of that now, but I guess that was the reason behind oh, the re- Sorry, the reason behind it was we, we obviously love coffee and we love wine. Um, yeah. And we just felt like we felt like we could, if we could impact in any small way, we could. And um, on the weekend, we did a ride around to the cafes, went to 20 coffee shops around um, Hobart. And Aiden actually had, and Thor did as well, had uh, 10 coffees, which I don't know how they did it. But um, Aiden does not need any more caffeine. Yeah, Yeah, he doesn't need caffeine. So, yeah, he was buzzing, but. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he was. He was flying down the highway. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> In terms of like the super life, I guess for us, like, well, we want to continue it on and um, hopefully try to build it up and, and take it further. But um, but for now, it's more just trying to support small businesses and obviously it's in a small way. But if it, if yeah. it can help, obviously it's a, it's no. a positive. Thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you talking about um, the things you had to go through and how you sort of bounce back from them. And thanks a lot for coming on. You're right, mate. Thanks for having me. And yeah, obviously, um, in terms of the topics topics you speak about and obviously the mentally challenging side of things, I um, I really appreciate you sharing that. And um, I'm happy to be on, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks. I'll, I'll see you soon.